Good time of the day, and welcome to another episode of, and when I say I mean, I am your co-host, Austin. And I am your other co-host, Adrian. We are recording this Saturday of mm-hmm. of last week, uh, because if you're listening to this on Friday, I will be flying back from California. So, Which, when, do you, when does your adventure start? Slash what has already taken place. I'm just going to talk as if I'm in the present and not as if I'm in the past. The Is present okay? on Friday? Think... No, the present as in right now, okay. Saturday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what um, is your plans? My So I'm, I'm, I'm leaving Monday, Memorial Day, to go to Syracuse, mm-hmm. staying over in Syracuse, then flying from Syracuse to San Francisco. Nice. Um... Tuesday third Tuesday morning and then I'm at Stanford from Tuesday to Thursday learning how to be more agile as a, an organization which makes me want to puke honestly um, so so uh, are you you're, you're not familiar with like agile business practices not really so the what everyone wants to do now is be more agile um which which is this like a it's is this an acronym no 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 it's just business jargon um it basically means being more responsive to the whims of the consumers though they wouldn't say whims uh because that has a more pejorative context than the the wants of a consumer but i am i i fully mean that pejorative connotation right um so how do we get in better contact and relationship between the producers and the consumers? Why do you have to be at this um, conference? Uh, uh, so the the Navy is very worried about their irrelevance. Um, okay. And so as a someone who they want to be the future, just in general, like it's it's for my whole grad program the okay. the NERP. So everyone in NERP is supposed to be going. Um, okay. So we can learn to to be more innovative in our thinking and our research. Solid. I think it's it's dumb though. Um, uh, yeah, it sounds that way. Because um, agile business practices really depend on being in constant contact not the business but in constant contact with (laughs) sorry um with the people that you are providing things with Mm -hmm. and like the the application for my research is classified yeah so i i don't know how you you um overcome that that the military just does not is not a very agile organization, which is why they want to be more agile. But I I feel like the security concerns make that impossible. Yep, I was gonna say I feel like the nature of things. Yep. In the military makes it less agile. Yep. Yep. And so that's we had a we had a video conference like a month ago or something. This mm-hmm. is a whole hullabaloo. It's a pain. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that seems to be the prevailing thought of the mm-hmm. 
of the academics, uh, but it's not the prevailing thought of the Navy. That it's impossible is is, Probably, yeah. is the prevailing thought among academics, it seems. Right. Um, but I do hear that California knows how to party. Um, that sounds right down your alley. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my um, goodness. Speaking of California, yeah. I need to... Can I bring this up on the internet? That was a Tupac reference for those of you who missed it. I did. Uh, did <laughs> I know. you... <laughs> did you um oh shoot i need to grab my phone okay keep talking about what you're doing next week while i grab my phone okay sure well so i feel like i'll wait for adrian to come back before i say that but um after okay so now i'm no longer gallivanting down the west coast which is kind of disappointing uh because apparently it is financially irresponsible to gallivant up the coast um, That's and so I have to fly back then Friday and then immediately fly out again the next Monday to Seattle uh, for a different conference. That's so much less fun. Yeah. Um, okay, this is – get a load of this. Yeah. Okay, so um, I don't know if Anthony sent this to you or not, but he sent oh, this to me yes, he this did. morning. The, On Instagram. Okay, so – yeah, yeah, yeah. So last week, Austin talked about making a breakfast sausage sandwich <laughs> and selling it on the streets of London. Anthony it, it's sent an English us, breakfast to go. Yeah, yeah. Anthony sent us this um, Instagram post from New York Times Cooking, which at this point was posted 17 hours ago. And I'm starting to think there might be some people in L.A. listening to our podcast. Because let me read you what the text <laughs> says, because it's almost exactly what Austin said last night. So the the picture on Instagram is like these hot dogs with, I don't even it looks know like what just on fajita it. Peppers topping and, on it. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So this is what the caption is. Imagine, it's 2 a.m. in L.A., and you just left the club slash bar slash party. You stumble outside. You hear it. The sizzle. The street vendor is here to bless you with the beautiful bacon-wrapped hot dogs and all the fixings you could ask for. Caramelized onions, sautéed peppers, pico de gallo, avocado, ketchup, mustard, and yes, mayo. Tag a friend who knows about Mexican hot dogs. And I was like, this is like literally exactly <laughs> yeah. what Austin said word for word, except about like London yeah, pubs. Yeah. But like, why are they talking about stumbling around at 2 a.m. after leaving the I'm pub? Telling you, like, that is the type of people who buy hot dogs with a bunch of stuff on top of them. It was insane. That's your key. I that's your core demographic it. there. I couldn't believe it when he sent it to us. So that was that was amazing. So apparently it's a brilliant idea. Yeah, I, t I, I know it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I though I, I feel like I should listen to like Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg um, while I'm in California. I really don't feel like listening to Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, but I think I think it's like re required. I think, like, you could get away with just listening to, like, one song or, like, one album no. or something. Okay, maybe. But that would, be, that would be, like, going to Miami and not listening to Pitbull. Like, they don't even which, let you in. <laughs> which I will say, as much as I hate Pitbull, when I was in Miami, we did listen to Pitbull. <laughs> you got to listen to Mr. Worldwide <laughs> while you're in Miami. Mr. 305. Yeah. Yeah. 
No, uh, it's true. It's true. Okay, I'll I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, and I will say, for what it's worth, listening to Pitbull in Miami was significantly better than listening to Pitbull anywhere else in the entire right, world. Right, right. So th- that's why I I think I I I have been a long time advocate dismisser of Snoop Dogg. Um, uh-huh. But I I feel like I might have to listen to Snoop while I'm uh-huh. in California. Probably. Um. Anyway, sorry, random. Where's Katy Perry from? She's not from California. Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, no, she is from California. Is she? Yep, she grew up in California. I'm pretty sure. Okay, never mind then. I revoke my. Because I think um her. Um, let me double check this, but I'm pretty sure her dad was like a pastor in California. But I, I am upset that I won't be able to gallivant up the coast. Yeah, that is upsetting. Yeah. It, it might have been awkward at times, but I think as a whole it would have been much nicer than flying across mm-hmm. the country twice. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Yeah. Um, though I do get to be back in Potsdam for a weekend, so that's nice. But um, gallivanting up the coast would have also been nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she grew up in Santa Barbara, California. Okay. Where her father was the pastor of a church. I'm also nowhere near Compton, so that's that's kind of a bummer. But, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um. Yeah, could have driven down Rosecrans. Um, what about Waved my hand out the window. <laughs> I don't know. These are just Kendrick lyrics. Okay. Um. Oh, I'll have to listen to Kendrick Lamar while I'm in California. Yeah, that's that's a lot easier. Yeah. Um, but that so I that's what I'm doing for the next two weeks. I'm in California and then I'm in Seattle. Solid. Which is Solid. why we're recording now. Right. And um, then I'm going to but Maryland. It's a, I don't know what it's like in the many places of the world you are now, or at least the places of the United States. But it is beautiful here. Um, I spent most of the morning walking around outside, so that was lovely. I, um, I the did weather, that. at least. Um, this past Thursday, I believe it was, went and saw a production of Mary Poppins mm. at uh, Portsmouth Christian Academy. So that was good. Yes. Uh, hold, hold on. This is just the, so. This is this is something I was thinking about earlier. Okay. I, I apparently does that have not, to do with Mary Poppins? It, it is it, almost. Okay. <laughs> so, um, remember how you were telling me you saw John Wick? Yeah. I, which I think was not on the podcast, but I don't know when that would have been. It was after the podcast. Okay. You were telling me you had just seen John Wick, and I was thinking, yeah. Adrian didn't think John Wick was good at all, but I've read lots of things that say John Wick is good, and so. So what if you if you stop thinking of John Wick as a movie, and started thinking of it as a, a, a like an interpretive dance or a ballet? Um, uh, Would how that, that help your help viewing me? experience? Because so okay, because then it's, is... it's not about the story; it's just about pushing the performance. Maybe. Uh, my main my main problem with John Wick is that it has almost like the motivation for what he does is almost nothing, and 
he just brutally murders lots of people. Okay, that's fair. And and so the the main point of the movie is action slash violence. Um, and so just it's just not my cup of tea. But I will say after so this was after we had our episode about critically thinking, and so mm-hmm. I was saying, okay, I can't just sit here and say that this movie is garbage and that it adds nothing to my life. And so the only the takeaway I had from it was that revenge is mine, says the Lord. And so it doesn't necessarily show this in the movie, but I can't imagine that once he gets to the end of the movie and kills all the people, that he really feels that much better about his life. Um, my understanding of revenge is that it doesn't necessarily leave you in a better place than you were before. Um so that was kind of my my takeaway, but regardless, Mary Poppins was significantly better than John Wick. Mm. Well, Re- so um, I'm I'm thinking like the point of John Wick is to be as as rad as possible. So just think of it like you're watching the X Games. And I know you love the X Games for no reason at all. We spent I do love we the spent X-Games. so much time <laughs> watching the X Games for like it's just like oh let's do a, a rally car race. Who cares? But see, so right, if there would have been no gruesome violence in the movie, and it was just rally car racing and giant <laughs> skateboard tricks, I would have loved it, right? Well, that's that's. I think that's the point, though. It's like, how can we be as radical as possible? I I guess I don't know. You haven't seen the movie, so it's not really about being radical. It's more about Keanu Reeves killing a bunch. No, of people. no, no, no. Yeah. The re- the reaction from the crowd is supposed to be like, oh, that was sick. You know, and Which I feel like that some is of the, the people I was watching it with. That's the exact reaction that the X Games also wants from you. Right, but again, the problem I have is that there is no like extreme gun violence and murder in the X Games, <laughs> where there is in John Wick. Hmm. And so, therefore, my response is not the same okay. because my response to that is not "Wow, that was sick." My response to that is this is terrible, I wish I wasn't seeing this. Mm-hmm. Whereas the X Games is like, wow, that's incredible. Nobody died or got shot in the head. Just imagine it as a fantasy, though. Also, there is the creepy. Imagine the X Games, because no, why no, do no, I need no, to no, change no. the X Games? They're no. already perfect. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, John Wick. John Wick is like... It's, it's about the the performance and not what's actually happening sure that's great I, but anyway, i'm just telling the creepiest ice cream truck in the world i still haven't finished talking about <laughs> mary poppins in yet <laughs> no i don't care about that i'm Fine. gonna talk about, mary, about poppins. mary poppins so one of so actually two of our youth were going to be in it but one of them went to indiana indiana this weekend to watch the indianapolis 500 and be with his family so that was cool but then another of our youth was she was acting in it it reminded me a lot of our time spent with plays and musicals mm. in high school. Um, it was very long, but it was also good. So, yes, question. Yeah, did anyone tap dance across the ceiling? No one was on the ceiling, but there was tap dancing. Okay. Um, I did think about tap dancing on the ceiling, though. Yes. Were there penguins? Is penguins, no penguins. really part of Mary Poppins? I don't know. So, it, it turns out... I have only I have now seen the uh, musical slash play version of Mary Poppins twice. Yep. 
I've never seen the TV uh, movie. Yep. It's not a TV movie. It's just a movie. Yeah. Um, they are vastly different, apparently. Mm. I, I don't know if you've seen the movie. Well, no, I have not seen the movie, but I, I disappointingly, I saw it on Broadway. That's not, It's just, like, disappointing in the context of all Broadway shows that I could have seen. I feel like Mary Poppins could be pretty good, though. Like, it was good, but there... I'd rather see, like, The Lion King or The Phantom okay. of the Opera. Fair. I have seen both of those. Yeah. Um, or, like, if I had gone not in middle school, Hamilton or Natasha Pierre in The Great Comet of 1812. Okay. I see what you're saying. But, like, that wasn't an option when you went and yeah. saw. Right, right. But, like, Lion King and Phantom were. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. There was tap dancing on the roof. I can't say tap right now. I, yeah. I, yeah, I keep saying it like I'm from Michigan. <laughs> um, oh, that's fine, though. Uh, but there but were yeah. there were no penguins, and that was kind of jarring to me, honestly. I think the penguins are only in the movie version. Mm-hmm. Um, also, what was up with Mr. Popper's penguins? Like, what a weird book series. Have you read any of that? Uh, I, yeah, I think so. Or like it was read to me mm. growing up in school. I don't know. It seems... Just a man with penguins. <laughs> You're saying that like, oh yeah, it's just like a guy with like a rhinoceros cub. Right. I mean, why are, why is that a problem? And Curious George is not a problem. Curious George is a problem. <laughs> but Curious okay. Curious George is pegged at a different audience than I. Can think. I tell you a joke? Yeah. How come there's no cats on Mars? Um, <laughs> because Curious George is there. <laughs> no. Because curiosity killed all of them. <laughs> okay, I like that. Yeah. Thanks. That's from Hank Green. So. Oh, okay. Thanks, Hank. Um, yep. But anyway, the creepiest ice cream truck. Oh my goodness. Is now in Potsdam. Do we have time for this discussion? No, we do. This 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 podcast is. Are you gonna segue? Yeah. Okay. Um. So, most ice cream ice cream vans are like. A little creepy, but this one is right. just an unmarked van that plays music, and it says it says ice cream on the side. Say hot ice cream? <laughs> no, just <laughs> it just says ice cream, not hot ice. Cream. <laughs> but it drives past my house like. Multiple uh-huh. times a day, and it's the classic ice cream truck song. Right. I'm familiar. Um, but anyway, it reminded me of that time we were camping in, in Massachusetts once. Oh, my heavens. And there was an ice cream truck that went around the, the campground. Yeah, I do remember that. So speaking of Massachusetts. There you go. Senator Elizabeth Warren is running for president. Should we care? Not just about Elizabeth Warren in general, but like, at, at my my question is, at what point, if ever, should we care about um, the twenty twenty election? What year is it now? Twenty nineteen. Yeah. Twenty twenty election happens in November. Yeah. Um, do you want to answer that before I do, or do you want to know my answer? No, I want to know your answer. My answer is that right now. Anything that's happening in politics for the 2020 election is all a sham for 
political TV shows to make money. Essentially, this is their, like, The Bachelor, but for, but for politics. It's all just for show. And sure, you could maybe argue that it matters, but I don't think it really does. Hmm. Um, I like that Bachelor comparison. So, I, what I'm... Okay, so I, I think the fundamental question is, are... Are, are elections important? Because if if elections are important, there becomes a time where we should, where we ought to pay attention to them. Right, right. And I don't know. I have ever since leaving home, I've been increasingly more and more. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Removed, Removed from the political landscape. Um, because the only reason I was in it was because that was just what was on the television. We would after watch dinner. NBC Nightly News with Brian Williams until it was uh, not Brian Williams, and it well, was, first uh, we watched. First it was Tom Brokaw, and then it was Brian Williams. Yeah, I don't Who think was, I was really at home when uh, Lester Holt took over. Lester Holt, um, and then we would switch but, over to the panel. Right, so I don't really, I don't really follow it on my own because mm-hmm. I have really no desire, and maybe that's wrong. Maybe it's okay. I, and maybe I'm cynical, but I feel like in a lar- like, in the grand scheme of things, it has way less bearing on my life and what is actually important to my life mm-hmm. than like other things, and so it's not really worth my time, like. Why, like, there are a lot of things that I do that aren't important to my life, so I can't really say, like, this is, I'm so much better than other people, but, like, this is a one, this could be a thing that I feel like I could distract myself with to make it feel like there's meaning, but in reality, like, it doesn't have the impact it doesn't impact the things around me or the way that I live my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that's that's kind of the the goal of politics, right? Or that's the that's the point of a democracy, right? That right. We, that we Sorry, are able in some thought. way to shape our own lives through our political action. Right, and so I don't want to say that we shouldn't be engaged in politics. I think that. The problem is, is that we have gone too far. Um, mm-hmm. We we've gone too far in in like monetizing it. I guess I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it, the, I think the problem is it's no longer about the people and the government and representation. It's about drama. It's about production. It's about like how can we how. Yeah, how can we make money off of this? And I guess that's why I care less about it. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I do think that there is good that can be done through the government, um, but I don't necessarily think that that is what a lot of what politics' goal is. Um, and also, so then I was also talking with... Um, so in one of our classes at church, we were talking... I forget what class it was, but anyways... Recently, it came up again about, like, what is the role of, like, 
should Christians in government be mixing or whatever? And I always come to the, like, I was talking to some guy from England, and so, like, for me, from my perspective, it's like, okay, separation of church and state. But for him, like, they're very much together. And so for me, it's like, okay, like, if I'm a Christian, why do I even, the government, I don't need the government to do these things that Christ has called me to do. I can go out and do these things regardless of what is happening in politics. Whereas, like, on his side of things, he might say, well, the government can do good things for Christ, so maybe we should care about it more. But I, I think the main, like, all of that, regardless of all that, I think the big problem right now is that it's just so dramatized or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not about the values. It's not about helping people. It's not about any of that stuff. It's like, how can we make the most money from it? Mm -hmm. And I think that that is just wrong. And that's not the heart of democracy, really. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. Um, no, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's the point. That's the fear uh, that people have associated with democracy classically um, but uh shoot I was gonna say something about something you said but it's completely slipped my mind was it at the very beginning when I was talking about making it about drama no um, I forget I'll say some other things and maybe it'll come back to me um, okay but I, I oh here it is uh, did you know that there are bishops in the Lord of Commons? And when I say that, I mean the House of Lords. No. There are bishops in the House of Lords. The Archbishop of Canterbury, who is the the head of the Anglican Church, has mm -hmm. a seat in the British House of Lords, and that is just mind blowing. That's that's like yeah. that's mind boggling to me. That is pretty surprising. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, so in reading, so I, I, I follow everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. And so I, I do think in some ways that is very much the bias. So, so like I read a lot of 538, if that's, hasn't been clear. Mm -hmm. Um, and Nate Silver, the founder of 538, uh, says that his bias in politics is chaos because it's okay. it's more interesting for him and they can write more about it if crazy things are happening. Right. Um, so he, he's really pooling for a brokered convention, which is where none of the none of the nominee no, okay. None of the people running in the Democratic primary would receive the requisite number of delegates to become the party's nominee and so then it becomes a brokered convention where the delegates just free for all vote for whoever they want. Mm -hmm. So that's that's really what that's what he's hoping happens um, because he thinks it would be fun. Uh, and so I don't think everyone as is as openly pro political chaos. Uh, but I, I do think that it it is good for news networks to have political chaos. Right. And I think, yeah, I just think that if that's what's your motivating factor, something is wrong with government. Mm -hmm. 
So, so when should we start caring? If you, if you think, if if you think we shouldn't care now, when do you think we should start caring? I, I mean, I don't know. I, and I, I, the day before the polls, just Google everybody, see where they stand, and vote for the people that you believe with. I, I just think like. Again, maybe this is like a cynical view of government, but I feel like there are more things that I can do to impact the people around me than what caring about politics is going to do. And maybe even the government's going to do. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's like a poor view of government or thinking too highly of myself. But like... And, and yes, we should still vote because I think it is still important. But I don't, I don't want to, you can care about it, but I don't think that we, I would say don't care about it to the extent where you're fueling the machine of commercialism rather than caring about helping people. I also am concerned that we and maybe this is a whole nother can of worms but we care about too much of what what side we're on and less about how the things that were are happening affect humans mm -hmm. regardless of the topic i i, I mean re really like i think either side is more has can have a tendency to just think, okay, this is what my team believes, so I have to do this. And I think we've talked about this a little before. But, like, like I don't know if anybody really cares, right? Like, mm -hmm. or they care about the wrong things. They just care about their team winning, quote-unquote, as opposed to, like, what government should maybe be about, which is actually, like, helping people. Um, and so... In general, if that's the thing you're caring about, I think we should never care about that. I don't think we should ever care about our team winning or or the drama of it or making the most money. I think what we should care about is how can we use this tool of government to help other people. Mm -hmm. uh, so a, a first statement, there is evidence that your, your beliefs or like your ideology is driven more by your party than your party is driven by your because people study how people switch parties and then how their so, beliefs change over time so like i'm going to think one way because i am a part of this party not that because i think this way i'm going to join this party right it, the, the right oh, that's the obvious is... i think and that's such a danger well it has support what do you mean it has support? I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's obvious unless. I. I don't think people. If you ask people, why are you? Why do you believe such and such a thing? They're not going to say, it's because that's what my party thinks. They were. They're going to give a different reason. Right. Okay. So people are oblivious to it, but I think it's glaringly obvious. If if people are oblivious to something, it's not obvious. Okay, well, people need to wake up. <laughs> wake up, sheeple. 
um, I was glad that Link got the. Uh, I I was too. The, um, the pointer the other day. Anyways, that's sidebar. Um, but uh, second second question is: Is the point of government to help people? I think it should be. If it's not, I mean, even even in ruling people, you should be helping people, right? Like, like I would argue that you're a poor ruler if you're just if if I don't know, and, and if if your goal is to not make your people better, like if you're supposed to be a leader, you're not supposed to exploit people and use them for your own benefit. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but I don't think good leaders do that. Good leaders help foster the best out of their people Mm -hmm. and so if governments are supposed to be leading people and leading groups and and doing these things then yes i think they should be helping people Mm -hmm. so i i think the 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 really fundamental question is is like what can the government do um that's fair and so is it if the government can do a lot of things, then I think it's worthwhile to pay attention to the primaries. Uh, because if, like, if who the president is really does change a lot of things, then that's that's kind of the, the biggest lever we have then to move the world, um, if we're Archimedes. Um, uh, I don't... I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. So what do you think the government can do? That's not what I disagree with. I don't agree that the president is the largest lever that we have to move the world. Was that a question or... Um, what would you say? I would say the church is a larger lever to change the world. Okay, so what can the government do? What can the government do? Mm-hmm. I think that right now our gov- the problem with our government is that the goal is not to represent the people well and to help the people well. It is to gain wealth and position. And so I think that if the government has the goal in mind to help the people that are under them or that they are leading, then I think that they can actually do things. But while our government is where it is now, where it's about how can we create wealth, how can we create status for politicians, I don't think that our government is worth a whole lot. So shouldn't we pay attention then so we can we can elect people who are pro-helping people? Yeah, no, I think that's fine. But I don't think that you need to like when are the, when do the primaries start um in like a year right so why do i need to care now i guess like like i don't need to i can google somebody i can google something real quick and figure out okay where do all these people stand and what are they trying to do right yeah but like that that doesn't that doesn't mean you know what they're like there's a difference between knowing what someone's stated policy goals are and knowing if they're like what the purpose of them being a politician is 
Okay, how do we figure that out? I don't think that following their every move is going to be helpful for that. Um, it seems more helpful than reading their policy positions. Okay, I mean, that's maybe fair, but I also don't want to feed into the system, right? I don't think that that's helpful. That propagates the problem. So then how would you, how would you change things then? I don't think things are going to change because right now the motivation for our country and maybe the world is to is about in like yourself and making the most money for yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't you would have to change people's opinions and somebody in government has to say okay hey I'm going to actually care about other people and there probably are people so I'm probably painting with too large of a brush I'm sure there are people in government who are saying I am here to actually serve people not to make wealth for myself but I think that right now the majority of our government system is set up in that way and that there are things that both sides of the aisle could do to generally help people. I mean, I say that again and don't really have an example. So I guess I can't really say that. But I, I think, like, we get too caught up in these, like, big issues that just have us bash heads. Maybe as a way of distracting us from actually doing something good. I don't know. Yeah, but aren't those, aren't the big issues about how people view what helping people looks like? Yes and no, but, like, why does that... Why why are those issues the end-all, be-all? Like, there are other things... Like, I mean, maybe they are, but, like, there are other things that include helping people. And that's why I guess I say, like, the church is a bigger lever because, like, it doesn't, like it shouldn't matter what your political views are or what you think is helpful or not. Like if you go out and love people and help them and, and, and love them like you would want to, you know, be loved, then that's going to care for people, right? The, the goal should be to care for people. But what if you, and like that should also be the church's goal, right? Yeah. But what if you can do that more on a, on a wider scale through the government? Great, do it. But I just don't see that happening in our country. Right? So how would we... Again, maybe I'm cynical. How would we change that? You have to fundamentally change what people value in this country. How would you do that? I don't know. But I still think that the church is probably a good start, right? Mm -hmm. Like... We were talking, so just yesterday, I was watching, we were watching a video for our class that was talking about worldview, and like, if my worldview drives everything that I do, drives my beliefs and my values and my actions, we're never going to change people's beliefs and values and actions if we try to come from changing people's behavior first, you have to change people's worldview first before their beliefs, values, and actions change. And so... I don't know. I don't think that we're just going to say, hey, we need to care about people and you need to start caring for people because if their, if their worldview still says that no money and power is the most important thing, 
then changing their actions isn't ever going to change their worldview. They're always going to continue to go back and say, no, money and power and self is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's where the church can come in, right? As the church serves others and says, no, I am not the most important thing and money and power is not. And like serves others and like, and like, yeah, the the government can care for the widows and orphans and the fatherless, but like, that's also what the church is called to do, right? And so, that I think is what changes people's worldview, not the government. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an important question. And I can't mm-hmm. think of what it is, so I'll just say things until I remember. Is it... So, I I feel like a lot of people feel that doing things in the government is fraught and um, ineffectual but also that doing things on a personal scale is pointless. Um, so what is is it is it worthwhile to to compare the the value of what you can do versus what the government can do? Um I, if so you're asking is what I can do individually worth comparing to what the government can do? Yep. Um maybe I don't really know. Um I think like again, I think that if the government can do things to help people that yeah, we should use that, right? I don't think that the go- I don't think a government's bad. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we should get rid of government. I think that we should have government, and that government is something that we can use to help people. Um, and so there is value in that. I, but I think that I, I don't want to get to the spot where it's like, okay, yeah, that's the government's job, and I don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as the church, right? I think that that like, drives me kind of insane sometimes is like, where we think, okay, yeah, isn't there, like, welfare? Or isn't there these things set up by the government? And so I don't have to help the poor and the needy or, you know, the widow and the orphan. Like, no, that's, that's the role of the church. And, yeah, like, we should use government as a way of, of helping, too. But I don't want to say, no, I don't have to do that because the government's doing that my role as a member of the body of Christ is to serve first. Mm-hmm. And I think that can, you know, express itself through government. I don't want to take away from that because I think that is something we can use, but it doesn't ever negate the actions that I should be doing. Um, what if what if the actions that you're taking are just cutting off the heads of the hydra whereas you need to kill the whole thing or else more heads will just keep sprouting um so then yeah we should do both right because in your analogy the heads are still individual people 
um, and they still matter. Um, I don't really know if you're referring to individual people, but I think what you're saying I'm is really. why, why do we like is helping? I guess kind of their individual like. So is it worth helping these things that are going on rather than attacking the root cause? Mm-hmm. So I guess then maybe that is the value of, of the government, right? Because as an individual, I may not be able to attack the root cause. I think a group of individuals can still attack the root cause regardless of the government. Um, but the government can do that. They have more resources, I suppose. But I don't think that that lowers the value of me stepping out and saying, hey, I'm going to care for you even if it doesn't seem like the government is going to. Mm-hmm. Um because that still matters, even if, like, it's still going to keep happening. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. The, the, the thing about the, the government, I, I think, is that it's so... Um, impassive, I guess. It, that's not the right like impersonal it's like an impersonal weight i guess um or like an impersonal pressure mm-hmm. and so that pressure can either push things along or crush things it, and when it does either it's not really something that you f- you actively feel um or like you you don't know why things are happening it's just that's just the way things are mm-hmm. um and so what i i think what we should try to do in voting because it's it's weird that we do have the ability to vote just historically um mm-hmm. is try to get that impersonal force to be working in ways that we think are good but I, th- I think the, the more valuable thing is to be a personal force, e- even if you don't have the same net impact. Like, I think, I think we're too utilitarian in how we view helping people. As, as a, I think that's the, the growing trend. I don't know. What if, do you mean? Like, it's... You know, it's it's not worth trying to... I, so I heard Perry Bacon Jr. say once... Perry Bacon Jr. is a writer at uh, 538. He said, I don't, I don't really think that individual racism is worth addressing. Only, like, systemic racism is, is causing the, the real injustices. And so I, I think that's, that's like a too utilitarian way to look at things. Yeah, um, I think that's just wrong where cuz i yeah i think utilitarianism causes a lot of unwanted and just like inhumane effects if it's not balanced the government is like very in like inhuman quotes it's mm-hmm. cuz it's just like it's so impersonal so i i think that that utilitarian way of looking at it, um, if it's not balanced by 
the humanness of individual actions um, I think is more likely to crush people than to push them along mm-hmm. no I think that's fair I think so you said that we should use government to help that force be good is that kind of what you were saying uh yeah like we should vote in that way the only thing i would again i would add to that is like if people aren't aware that you may be influenced by the fact of which party you're in like you need to be aware of that like i i agree that we should vote to try to help this you know large force that has resources and things to do good and help people like I do agree with that, but I also don't want us to be blind to the fact that if I say I'm a part of this party, I have to agree with everything that this party agrees with. Mm-hmm. I, 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 and I, we've talked about it before, but I still think it's so important to say, like, don't, like, don't let your values be defined by the political party that you're in. Figure out what your values are especially for Christians, I think, like, if your values are being defined by your political view and not by scriptures and Christ's life, then that is just problematic. I think so. Maybe you can, people can disagree with me, but I think that that's a, that's a big thing that we need to be aware of. And then, yes, do vote, but make sure you're being aware of why you believe the things that you're doing and where those values are coming from. Mm-hmm. And then you said, you said, that's it. Did you want to add anything to that? Well, I, I just, wanted, I was just going to say, I, I feel like in that, in, in that way, the, the primaries I think are more important than the, the general election in determining what, how, how we think about the government. Um, cause okay. I think that in general elections, things are much more entrenched it's so i i think there it there is interesting conversation happening right now um driven by what people are running for about how the government should be structured um and i I think those are those are conversations worth having because we do have the ability to change the like the structure of government like I I think like a um like the the view that the constitution is as is um and should be left as such is it, it seems like it's ignoring the fact that like amendments are part of the constitution. Mm-hmm. So we we have the ideally the government should work for everyone uh, because in a democracy slash republic the people are the sovereigns Mm -hmm. um, which seems anyway um, and so we we do have the ability because I I think that a lot of the a lot of the problems right now are structural like intergovernment structure has changed in ways that are different than how people thought they were going to be um and so i think it is worth having those conversations and and you you get those now 
we're I mean we're not going to be talking about how should we structure the government during the the national election. Mm-hmm. And I think and maybe this is what you're kind of saying too is like in a primary there's way more options. Mm-hmm. And so like it's easier for me to find someone who my beliefs line up with, right? Yeah. And so like if I if I'm <laughs> saying like don't let your values be defined by your political party. Mm-hmm. Like I can in a primary, it's since I have a wider variety of people, I can have like, if anything, my like. I mean, I don't want to. Maybe this sounds terrible, but my my vote maybe matters more because I am selecting that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm potentially selecting that party member, which a lot of people are just going to vote for right. because right. they're a part of that party. And maybe that's demeaning, I guess. But I, but like, I, I think that is a good to people who just blindly vote for whichever oh. party they're a part of. Um, but I do think that is a good point, and like I hadn't really thought about is like these primaries are important because they def- they they set the stage yeah. for what will be the final uh, just because it just because of the system in mm-hmm. which that our government works right um so I, th- I think that's a good point so that that's why i would say the primaries are important but i uh, yeah i agree that we shouldn't use our our popular sovereignty to abdicate our responsibility to to serve others mm-hmm yeah, and that was what I was going to get back to you, too, is, like, we do, like, we need to be, like, especially as Christians, we need to be the hands and feet of Christ. And, like, the government was not put in place to be the hands and feet of Christ. Mm-hmm. The church was, and, and the members of the church were. Um, and so I think that needs to be first and foremost. And, yeah, maybe it, it does seem sometimes like you're trying to, you just are cutting off the head and more heads come up. But I think that that, in some ways, is what we're called to. Mm-hmm. It's like, even if it seems like an uphill battle that something's never going to change, we're still called to go out there and love each individual person, mm-hmm. no matter what. That was a really uh, deep cut like political philosophy joke that I just made, so the one about the hydra? No, 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 no. Popular sovereignty, because abdicating is giving up your own rule, and so mm-hmm. it's. It, I thought it was fun. Yeah, I was gonna ask you to like define that idea more, but <laughs> so I decided you were using those terms for a purpose. Yeah, and just no, no, it, it's, it was it was kind of a joke though. So like, popular sovereignty is that we are the people that are ruling our country. And mm-hmm. so only rulers can abdicate because rulers, right. you can't give up your responsibility unless you have responsibilities. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anyway, um, any recommendations from this week? Um, that's a good question. I haven't really done much. Get outside, mm-hmm. walk around, enjoy the springtime. Um yeah, that's kind of what I got. I, I mean, I do recommend that you look at your value systems and 
try to figure out why why you believe the things that you do and where those are being defined from. Also, like, in the video, I was talking about, um, what was the words they used? Like, practical beliefs versus actual beliefs. And so, like, what are the things that I say I believe, and then what are the things that I actually believe in the way that they're lived out? Um, and that was kind of convicting to me, too, and just thinking about, like, okay, I do say these things, but is that what I actually believe, or these are the things that I just theoretically believe. Did I say practically and actual because those are like the same thing? I think I meant practical and theoretical. Mm. You did say practically okay. and actual. Right, so I meant like, what are the practical things, the, the things that I actually do, and what are the theoretical ones, the beliefs that like I say that I have, but then don't necessarily weigh, like actually have weight to pull my actions and so that was that was kind of convicting to me recently this past few weeks or so and thinking about how do those things line up and then how do i if like how do i act on those theoretical beliefs not the practical beliefs i mm -hmm. guess um i finally finished a book called my name is red by hold on let me get this name right he's turkish uh, Orphan Pamuk. Um, nice. And, and so I just realized that uh, in in the book he is the son of the main character. Okay. Um, so I didn't realize that until now. But it was good. So <laughs> uh, fittingly I finished it this week because I learned about it from uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg's top ten book list. He Solid. so he is a uh, he is a guy who actually likes books. So I was interested in his top list of books. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it is about a so it takes place in the Ottoman Empire in Istanbul, mm -hmm. uh, and it is about miniaturists, so Islamic painters. Okay. One of them, there, there's been a murder, and uh, Elegant, the miniaturist, has been killed by one of his fellow miniaturists, Butterfly, Stork, and Olive. Okay. Uh, and so Black, he, his name is Black, he is charged with uh, finding out which one of the miniaturists is the murderer. Um. And so that's the main plot, but it's it's more about like what's the purpose of art, and how does how does what we believe about art how is that reflective of our own beliefs, and how does that reflect um, the traditions, society, and religion um, that we're we're a part of. Um, so Islam is much more iconoclastic now um, than it was at the time of the Ottomans, apparently. Um, mm -hmm. And so the debate among the miniaturists is, should we adopt the new Venetian, as they say, ways of painting um, with like perspective and portraits? Um, because the the uh, a lot of the the driving question for the characters is painting in that way heretical 
um, because of mm. the emphasis it puts on humanity away from God. Um, so it's an interesting book, and and so it's a very much a books book uh, because it's so much of, the mystery is is told through the way people speak. So there's interesting. There's chapters told from many people's perspectives and you get perspective chapters from stork butterfly and olive and you also get perspective characters chapters from the murderer and so the murderer is saying you'll never be able to figure out who i am i don't talk anything at all like who i am and so you're that like every word then becomes a clue kind of for Hmm. who the murderer is so i i think it's a really fun way to um to represent the the core idea of the book like what is how what is style is style just imperfections is flaw is is style too selfish um Mm -hmm. a way of reflecting that in how the book itself is written um so my name is red it's good um I also I just watched a movie called Never Let Me Go based on the book Never Let Me Go by Kazu Ishiguro who is quickly becoming one of my favorite authors living. Yeah. Or dead maybe. I don't know. There's so many dead wow. people. He's he's great though. The movie <laughs> the movie's great. Um I was I was worried that it was going to be bad uh because his style of writing I feel is mm-hmm. is so opposed to what people want uh, because it's it's so withholding like you 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 like feel that there's a lot of things going on yeah but he's not going to tell you what they are until like you already kind of know what it is hmm. um and so I was worried that they were going to ruin that in the movie and they really don't. Um, it's really good. Uh, Carrie Mulligan is good. Uh, Andrew Garfield is good. Keira Knightley is really... Um, terrible. But in a good way. Okay. Like, she acts terrible, but she is a... like. Her, char- she's her not... character is terrible. Right, right. And she's, she does a good job of doing that. Right. Um, so yeah, I I would say the book is better, but the movie is is pretty good. Solid. Um, and finally, I so I discovered that um, Amazon Prime Music has a a feature called my soundtrack. That is okay. what it's called. I just sounded very uncertain about it, and so I said, yeah. I said to myself, this isn't going to be any good. So I started listening to it. And the first song it plays is called uh, Don't Throw Out My Legos. Um, nice. By this band called AJR. And it's just yeah. it's just three minutes. I know AJR. Really? Yeah. Uh, you've heard the song? I, don't, I haven't heard the song, but I know AJR. You need to listen to Don't Throw Out My Legos. It's so good. Okay. It's, it's a song just about growing up. And this guy is excited to be moving out. But at the same time, he's say, he's like saying to his parents, "Don't throw out my Legos, because I don't know if I can 
I can do it. Um, Interesting. And it's it's like sad and like bittersweet, and that's what I like in a song. Mm-hmm. Um, the as a band, they remind me of if Bo Burnham brought his love of Kanye to Vampire Weekend, and then they were pre- pretending to be. 21 pilots that was a lot that you just said yep but i think i followed <laughs> um where did you find this playlist uh i just went to the browse mm-hmm. um and it was on my home screen and i was scrolling down a little bit and i saw i think in recommended playlists um my soundtrack Maybe not. I'm, I'm gonna find it. It's it's in my stations. My stations. Or just stations. Popular stations or stations for you? I don't know. I I'm just on my phone, so it might be a different interface. Okay, it probably is. But anyway, here it is. I found it. AJR. the The whole album is. Oh, it's playing music. Is called. Okay, go. Um. Neo Theater? Is it, is it the new one with the planet? No, it's like three guys who look like they're from Rudolph sitting on a floating instrument looking thing. Okay, yeah, it's their first one. Anyway, it's an... Really? I thought it came out in 2019. Oh, maybe it's not their, new, their first one. But anyway, it's good. All the songs are like sad songs about growing up so alright I'll have to check it out but that that's what I got for this week solid alright we'll wrap it up there thanks for joining us enjoy the summer (laughs) we'll be back before the summer's over but have a nice summer anyway 